Father, in the next few moments as we open the Word of God, I pray that your Spirit would be able to touch our hearts, would be able to speak to us in the way that you want. I pray that it would be your words that we hear and not mine. I pray that the Word of God would do exactly what you say, that it would be sharper and more powerful than a two-edged sword that pierces even into the intents of our hearts. I pray that your will would be accomplished in us because of our time in the Word, in your name, amen. Thanks, you can have a seat. If you've been here the last uh, part of the summer, we've been walk, working our way slowly through the book of Colossians, and I want to continue doing that this morning. I want to chat with you this morning a little bit about um, our love for the church. And if you had a byline we've been using, because I am in Christ, or what does it mean to be in Christ, then this morning we're going to say this, that because I am in Christ... I love the church, or I love his church. And I want to give you some statements, I want to give you some, some kind of thoughts that might help you to grasp a little deeper what this is really all about. Because for us, for me, I'll start with me, I won't lump you in with me, maybe you'll come and join me, but I won't lump you in as I begin this little conversation, but... For me, there are times when I have found myself not liking the church. You ever been there? You say, hold it, you're a pastor, you can't say that. Oh yeah, I can. (laughs) If I'm to be honest and to be real with my heart, there are times when I don't want to be part of the church. If I'm to be honest, if I'm to to speak truth, to talk about what goes on inside of me, there are times when I want to remove myself. I want to walk away and I want my hands to be kind of back from the church. And so this morning I want to give you a couple statements about the church and I want you to see them from a different point of view. Okay? So let me give those before we jump into the Word of God. Statement number one. God loves the church. Say it with me. God loves the church. Let me help you to understand this. He loved the church so much that he was willing to pay the ultimate price for her, for the church. It's not a little teeny statement. It's a huge statement. God loves the church. Second statement that you need to catch is this. Christ loves the church. Say that with me, would you? Christ loves the church. The Bible tells us this, that Christ is the head of the church. That all of the parts that make up the church are parts of the body that function by the command of the head who is who? Christ. And Christ 
loves the church. Scripture likens it this way, that the same way that a man would look after his body or a gal that would look after their body and they would do whatever they could to protect the body, to make sure that the body is helpful and works the way that it is supposed to work, so is Christ the head of the church and he would protect his church and love his church as his body. There's another place in scripture that says it this way, that says that the The church, the body, is the bride of Christ. Now that always catches my attention because I think of my bride. We just celebrated 25 years of marriage. Yeah. And when we were getting ready to celebrate 25 years of marriage, I was sitting, I, we just came off vacation. I don't want to make you drool or anything, but I was sitting, I was looking out at the ocean. It was really rough. It was, it was you know, 80 degrees, a nice wind blowing off the ocean. I got a book. And anyway, and I was sitting and I was looking out at the ocean and I was thinking about my bride. And I was thinking about the day we got married. And I was writing a card. I had a card. I was thinking about what I was going to write in my card for my, for my wife. But I was thinking about this, that when she came through the door, I almost fell over. I, I almost lost it. Actually, at one part I did. I cried. I'll tell you. I'll be up front. I cried. She's gorgeous. She had a, a moment of weakness and she said yes to me. <laughs> I don't know if she's regretted it. I don't know how that's all worked, but I haven't asked. But I knew when I saw my bride, my wife, going to be my wife, what that did to me. And Christ sees the church as his bride, this cherished, beloved, incredible being that he would sacrifice the ultimate sacrifice for And scripture says that the church is his bride, that he loves deeply. Now, remember when we're using the word church here, we're not talking about a building. That's not it, right? We're talking about those who are in Christ. That's what Colossians is all about, right? Those who are in Christ, those who have understood that they're sinners without hope, that there's nothing they can do to earn their relationship with Jesus Christ and make it right on their own. And that Christ went to the cross and he died. He saw you and he saw me and he saw my helplessness and he saw my need of forgiveness and restoration. And he went to the cross and he paid the ultimate price for my sin. And when Jesus Christ did that, he saw me as part of his bride, the church. And his heart stopped because I could be renewed and made right and have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I could be his bride. That's us. That's those of us in Christ. And Christ loves the church, the people who are in him. That means something. That means that if I am in Christ, I also should love, what? The church. The church. 
Christ loved, who God loves, I also need to love. And so when I have those moments, and I do, as I admitted at the very beginning, where I don't want to love the church, where there are things about the church that I don't like, I need to remind myself that this is Christ's bride. And he gave himself for her. He loves her deeply. And so must I. And so there was a verse that came through my mind as I was thinking about this beginning and the opening. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. And it's a reminder as we jump into this. Let me read it to you. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. To glorify God with your body. Here's the reminder to me. When I think about loving the church, I need to remind myself that, Tim, I was bought with a price and that price was incredibly high. But someone, the person of Jesus Christ, saw worth in me and said, I want to make a relationship right with him and I love him so much that I would go to the cross to pay the, the price of his sin so that he could be made right with his father God. And I will buy him back. And the moment that I said yes to Jesus Christ, I am no longer my own. I belong to Jesus Christ, to God. And in belonging to God, it is not my decision whether or not I like the church. It is God's decision and he loves the church. So guess what? I better love the church. <laughs> I better love the church. And this happens to me all the time, folks. I do this on a yearly basis. Actually, twice a year I do this. I go through the whys. I go through why do I do what I do? Why am I on the mission that I'm on? Why do I spend time preparing sermons? Why do I spend time teaching about leadership and about the Bible? Why do I spend time trying to help folks in their marriages and in all the different aspects of life. And I come back to this all the time. Because there's nothing greater than saying yes to the one who loved me and still loves me to this day. And doing for his bride what he ultimately already did. He loved them. He loved them. It's my calling. So the verses that we're going to look at in the next few moments have to do with how we love the church. Now, I want to say a couple of things because this could be overwhelming. And when I read through them, I'm like, oh, my word, I fail. I'm no good. And I already know that. But to, to be reminded is kind of a pain, right? So as we read down through these verses, understand that God, that we're all at different places in this. And God wants us to continue to take the steps to get better at loving one another. Because that's really what this is about, right? If you love the church, then you love one another. Now, I want you to turn, and this may be a little awkward, so if it's too awkward for you, don't bother doing it. But, but if you can, if it's someone you know or whatever sitting next to you, just turn around and say, I love you. See, that's weird for some of you, and that's okay. And it's all right, I won't make you do it. But see, that's really what this is about. That's what this whole thing, and I know some of you are saying, man, I visit this church and these people just turned and said, hey, look, that's really what this is all about though, right? 
See, we make it such a weird and an awkward thing, but the honest truth is what Jesus is saying to us is, look, I love these folks so much that I would make the ultimate sacrifice for them. I would do whatever it took so that their relationship could be made right. Wow. And we're so good at putting up all kinds of walls and all kinds of things that would stop us from loving one another the way Christ intended. And so these verses, as we go through them, are going to help us to understand what it means, what it looks like. Because, folks, really what this is, is it's very small and it's very practical. It's very simple. So as I read them, don't become overwhelmed as I did the first time through. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you have your Bible, I'm going to start at verses 12 and 13. Remember that we are talking about those who are in Christ. So don't expect these things from those who are not in Christ. I'm not reading yet, by the way. I'm just I'm giving you some intro. Also, I would say that these characteristics that we're going to read are a test of our faith. Once again, I believe that if we're really in Christ, there's some changes that happen in our heart. And we begin to see people differently. And if we don't, we ought to ask some questions about whether or not the Spirit of God actually has some control in our life or not. So starting in verse 12. Here it goes. Therefore, now we, we got to stop. I know we did one word, but we have to stop because if you're studying the word of God, every time you come to therefore, what do you have to ask? Right. What's it there for? Therefore is always there to ask the question, what's it there for? And if you look at therefore and you ask the question, what's it there for? You have to go backwards. And when you go backwards from therefore, you find that the writer of Colossians says this, once you were totally different than you are now. Once you lived according to your flesh. If you go back and read those verses, I'm not going to read them for you. You do it yourself. You go back and read those verses. You find that he says this, once you used to live according to your own will and your own desires and your own flesh, and you used to do whatever you wanted in whatever way you wanted, and you did a lot of evil things. And you didn't love God. But when Jesus Christ showed up in your life, all of a sudden, all of that changed. And you became a new creation in Jesus Christ. And because you are a new creation in Jesus Christ, therefore, therefore, because something is different, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Whoa, hold it. Hold it. Is that how you describe yourself? If you're a believer in Jesus Christ here this morning, is that how you describe yourself? Let me do it again. Did you catch it? As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved. Is that how you describe yourself? I'm a chosen one. I'm holy and I am dearly loved. I hear so many people, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'll eat worms. Well, they don't quite say it like that, but you know what I mean, right? We go through life saying, nobody likes me, everything's falling apart, my life is horrible. And Jesus, God through his spirit looks at you and says, you're chosen by God. And if you're in Christ, not only are you chosen, you're holy and you're dearly loved by God. 
Do you understand that this morning? Do you understand what that means? That means that the creator of this universe loves you so much. He knows you intimately. He knows every aspect of your life. He knows everything that makes you tick. He knows the hurt. He knows the pain. He knows the stuff that went on last week that you can't explain. He knows it. And he dearly loves you. And he cares for you. And as a member of the body of Jesus Christ, he looks out for you like he does every other member of the body of Christ. You are dearly loved by God. Now look what happens because of that. Now, he says this, put on compassion, kindness. This is where it can get over, overwhelming, so bear with me. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, oh boy, forgiving one another. If anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to, what? Forgive. Now, I've got to back up on this verse, and I want you to start at the beginning of it, not the part that you're loved. We already got that. But he says this, he tells us to put on. That's an action, right? Can I sit still in my recliner with my blanket over me and put anything on? Not likely. I'm a little lazy. I'm a little comfortable. The word here, or the thought here is this, is that you would take action toward. So let me back up for a second in our culture. We live in an incredibly lazy culture, folks. We expect that others would do things for us, We live in a culture of a lot of entitlement. You should or I deserve. And you'll notice throughout Scripture that you are in Christ because of what Jesus Christ did for you already. That was on Him. He paid the price for sin. But the moment that you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, there are some things that are expected of us. And this is where it begins. And he says, look, because I did my part, I forgave you. I did what you could not do. It was impossible for you. And I bridged that gap. I looked after that. I paid the price. And now you put on. You start to do the things that you need to do. And what you'll find out of this list, the reason why we don't like this list so much, the reason why this list gets a little scary as we read down through it, is because every one of these things take effort. Every one of these things means that I have to put some effort in with the people around me to actually act this out. And what Jesus Christ is calling us to is putting in effort with the body of Jesus Christ. And he's saying this, look, I want you to be kind to the body of Jesus Christ. 
I want you to have compassion for the body of Jesus Christ. I want you to have some humility. No, you don't know it all. You don't have it all together. You need other people in your life. I want you to be gentle with those that are around you. I want you to be full of patience with those who just don't get it. (laughs) Right? I want you to bear with one another. You see the effort? And that's why he starts this by saying, look, I want you to choose to put this on in your life. And every day of your life, you have to get up in the morning and you have to make a choice and you have to say this, because you, God, love the church, because you, Jesus Christ, love the church, I am also going to love the church because the Holy Spirit who resides in me is part of the Godhead and I will act the same way to the church that God himself is acting and I choose this day. To love the church. To put on kindness and compassion and gentleness. Wow. So let me ask you, did you start today that way? (laughs) You're probably sitting there going, man, if I could get a hold of that guy. I'm glad you're sitting there. I can run, you know. Yeah. Look. See, the day and age we live in, guys, it's so easy to become all about us, ourselves, what we want, how we like it. And God says, no, it's about my body. And if my body becomes what I want it to be, it will radiate the love of Jesus Christ to those who rub shoulders with that body and they will see Jesus Christ in you and it will make a difference. Do you love the church? Do you love the church? The bottom of this is so difficult. Verses 13, the end of 13, and we get stuck on this some, and I want to kind of simplify it for you for a second. The end of this says this, look, forgive. Just as Christ forgave you, forgive. Forgiving is this. It's more about you than the other person. Did you know that? When I choose to forgive, I let go. I give it to God and I say, God, I'm not going to carry this any longer. I'm not taking it any farther. This is yours. And choosing to forgive means this. It means that I give it over to Jesus Christ. I allow him to do with it what he wants. And it no longer has control over me. See, when I hold something against someone, they're controlling me. They have control over me. Because I'm determining the level of my happiness, the level of what it is that I'm going to accomplish in life by whether or not someone gets along with me or likes me or whatever it is. And so forgiveness, Jesus didn't wait for me to get it right before he forgave me. Do you know that? If he did, I'd never get forgiven. (laughs) So forgiveness has to do with me taking my hands off it and saying, God, I know I can't control this. I know I've got no ability in it, and I give it to you, and I forgive. My hands are off. It's not a one-time thing, because we're people, and our brains keep bringing stuff up, and Satan's really good at reminding us. And It's constantly becoming before God and saying, God, I give. Give it up. 
as Christ loved the church and forgave. That's how we should forgive. How's that going for you? How's the forgiveness been working in your life? Now, this goes on. I could get stopped here, and I can't. Verse 14, let me read it for you. It says this. I love this verse. And above all, I want you to say the phrase for me. What's it say? Put on love, right? Which is the perfect bond of unity. Above all, do what? Put on what? Love. If this gets so confused, guys, because our day and age, our, our, our media has twisted love to be something that is, is more physical in nature than it is what God actually had in mind when he talks about love here. Love is a view of people. It's an understanding of who they are and what we can do for them. And there's a, there's a chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 13, and I, wanna, I want you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read verses 4 through 7. Because this explains what, what love actually looks like and how God views it. So would you, would you just stand with me as we read this together? I want you to read. I want you to think about what this looks like with the people that you live life with every day. You ready for this? Here we go. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Father, that's a mouthful. Would you allow that truth to sink down deep into our heart and understand what that looks like with our families and our friends and those we work with? By your spirit, would you make that live in us? You tell us that your word never returns void. We pray that would be true of this passage in each one of us in your name. Amen. You can have a seat. See, I think about this. God's command to us is to love his church. To love the people who make up his church. And I think about how often that I'm not patient. (laughs) I think about how often it is that I have a little scorecard in the back of my mind. (laughs) And I'm ticking it off. They did this, they did that. I think about the times when I give up. That person's just not going to get in. I give up. I'm done. Love never gives up. Never loses faith. It doesn't worry about being wronged because ultimately it's a picture of what Jesus Christ did for me and I wronged him, but he still loved me. Do you love the church? 
Or have you got a grudge? <laughs> you got a chip on your shoulder that you're carrying against the ones that God loves? It's really hard to love Christ and not like his church. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule in your hearts and be thankful. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you at peace? You say, but my world's falling apart. That's not what I asked you doesn't matter. If your relationship with Jesus Christ is really what Jesus wants to make it, the peace of God rules deeply in you no matter what the circumstances are in life. The waves can be this tall, but underneath it's calm because all is well in my soul with God. You at peace? Are you at peace with his church? With those he loves? Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom. And I love this, and I'm going to camp here for just a minute, and then we're going to have communion. Teaching and admonishing one another through psalms and hymns and songs, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. I want to ask you a question. What's the first thing off your lips to other believers, to other people? Is it the words of God? Is it praise to who God is and what he's done in you? Or is it the weather or the sports or how horrible the political system might be. or Scripture tells us this, that if we're in Christ and we're a body together, a group that is loved by Jesus Christ, that the first words, the thoughts, the intents of our heart toward one another are to encourage each other with the word of God, with psalms and with hymns, to lift each other up and encourage ourselves in our walk with God. Is that you? Are you the encourager in the faith? Sometimes I find myself being the person who I wouldn't want to be around (laughs) because I'm so negative, because my thought process is so down. And what God wants of me is for me to take the word of God and lift others up, bring them to the place of understanding who God is, and what he's capable of doing in my life. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord. Now, I'm going to be honest as I start this. Hopefully I am all the time, but I didn't like this verse for a long time. You want to know why? Just say yes. Okay, thank you. Because as a young man, a boy to a young man, 
when I would work with my father in the barn and I would not do a job the way I was supposed to, instead of my father getting upset at me, he would say, Tim, did you do your job to the glory of God? And you know what the answer was? (laughs) I knew I took a shortcut. (laughs) I knew I cheated in finishing. (laughs) And so my answer was, no. And you know what his response was? Go back and do it to the glory of God. Never upset, never mean, but I hated hearing the verse because it convicted me. So I want to give you that verse this morning and I want you to think about it this way. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything to the glory of God. Of God. Folks, that drives me to this day in a good way. I stop myself often during the day and I ask myself the question, is this to the glory of, the, of God or am I just getting through this? If I love the church, I'm going to love on them to the glory of God. If I love God and I love Christ, I'm going to love on the church in such a way that it brings glory to the name of the one who saved me. Even if I don't understand it, even if I don't get it, even if there are parts of it I don't like, I will still love them because of what Christ did for me, all to the glory of God. So let me ask you this question. Do you love his church? Because I am in Christ, I love the church. Do you love the church? This morning, we're going to celebrate communion. And really what communion is, is a reminder of that incredible love of God for us. The fact that he would send his son, Jesus Christ, to go to the cross to pay the price for our sin. And he did it that he could start the church. He did it that he could save mankind and begin something that would make a difference in the world for his kingdom. And what I've realized is this, is that the church in the world today is the only hope for the world because it's a picture of Jesus Christ, his love and his forgiveness for mankind. Is it flawed? Yeah, because I'm in it. You are too. The church is flawed because of us, because of our sin. But the love of Jesus Christ overcomes that. And the work of Christ on the cross paid the price so that that church could be pure and perfect before God the Father. And this morning as we take communion, that's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating the love of Jesus Christ, the love of the Father shown through the Son for us, His church. His bride. Let me read a couple verses and we'll celebrate together. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says it this way. Let me get over there. Verse 23, he says this, For I received from the Lord, this was Paul talking to the believers at Corinth, and he said, For I received from the Lord that which I also pass on to you, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you're remembering or you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. And so this morning we want to do that, do that together. The guys will come in a few minutes and they're going to pass out the bread and then they'll come right back and pass out the cup. And when they do that, when you're ready, go ahead and take the bread and remember the body of Jesus Christ that was broken so that you could have life, you could have forgiveness, freedom, you could be part of the church that Jesus Christ loves so much. And then take that cup and remember it was his blood, his precious, pure blood that washes clean your sin so that you get to be a member, a joint heir with Jesus Christ, sons and daughters in a holy family. It's an awesome experience. So we want to celebrate that today. I'm going to pray. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, you're just checking this out. You can let that go by. Nobody's going to think anything of it. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and your heart is in a place where you're saying yes to God this morning, you go ahead and take that bread and you take that cup and honor God with it as you remember what Jesus has done for us. Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus Christ to the cross to pay the price for my sin. Thanks for your love of the church. Thank you for allowing me to be part. Thank you for this body that's a representation of your, your universal church. God, would you help us to have the same love for one another as you have for us. Remind us as we take the, the, the bread and the cup this morning of what you've done for us in your name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you're in Christ, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know that he's paid the price for your sin and you're a member of his family. Can I challenge you this week? Check your heart. See if you love his church the way he does. Just check it out. I'm not talking about all the stuff. I'm not talking about all the games. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people that make up the church. (laughs) That he gave his life for. Do a heart check this week. Father, would you grant us the courage to say yes to your spirit to check the deep parts of our heart that may be hiding some things that would stop us from loving your church the way you do. Father, thanks so much for your unconditional love that you've bestowed, that you've given to me. Thanks for forgiving me, calling me your own, being proud that I'm your child. Would you help me in turn to give that same love and respect and honor to those who are my brothers and sisters in Christ? Grant us by your spirit a will to say yes to you this week. In your name we pray, amen. Have a great week, guys.